Hey, Retrospectors, for our third birthday, we've filmed an hour-long Q&A answering your questions. We discuss our favourite facts, how we make the show, and what we've learned along the way. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, thank you. You can watch it right now at patreon.com slash retrospectors. And if you're not a Patreon member, sign up. You don't have to pay a thing to become a free member and watch it now. So check it out. It's free. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It's December 9th, 1979, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. If your typical week goes steak club, curry club, fish Friday, Sunday brunch, then this is a date that should be in your calendar <laughs> because this was the day that the very first Weatherspoons opened its doors in Muswell Hill, although at the time it was not called Weatherspoons. Yeah, in fact, it was called Martin's Free House after its owner, Tim Martin. And the name Weatherspoon came about because Tim Martin selected Mr. Weatherspoon, who was a geography teacher of his over in New Zealand. Weatherspoon had said to him, you're never going to amount to anything. And so as a sort of act of vengeance, he picked the name Weatherspoon for his inaugural pub. And if you're listening internationally and you don't know what a Weatherspoons is, still, if you've ever been to the UK, you've probably been to one without realising it because they mm. are a 900-strong chain of pubs across the UK and Ireland with an annual turnover in non-pandemic times of £1.6 billion. Pounds. But most of them aren't called Weatherspoons. Most of them have evocative names involving mm. grapes and moons. But it was an inauspicious start this first night of Martin's Free House. He had to close up early because well, he was only 24 years old then, trying to run a pub for the first time in his life. He was doing the security on the door. He asked a group of undesirable customers not to come in. A scuffle broke out, punches were thrown, and an advertising board came crashing through the front window. And that night, he decided to change the name to Weatherspoons. I think that story tells you quite a lot about Tim Martin as an entrepreneurial character. He's very agile. He's very willing to savagely mm. change direction to do whatever he thinks the market wants. And that initial name, Martin's Free House... He is unencumbered by ties to the breweries. This strategy that's now a, kind of a classic part of the Weatherspoons brand, that they are converting old buildings, you know, like churches and cinemas into pubs, actually had quite a practical genesis, which was that most of the pubs at the time were tied houses, i.e. they were owned by the brewer and they were obliged to buy beer at the price that the brewery set and they didn't want to sell existing pubs to tim martin because he wanted to break those ties so he was obliged to start his first pubs in converted shops i think martin's free house had originally been a bookies that one was actually a pub before he bought it it was called marlers at the time which was the name of the man who owned it and um you're talking about stories that tell a lot about tim martin keep in mind that he <laughs> has this very man of the people image what he offered to marler in exchange for the pub was reportedly £40,000 in cash, a house in Putney, and a two-week holiday at his dad's place in Jamaica. <laughs> That's good. And I think that then starting up 
pubs in places that were non-conventional resulted in some actually really nice pubs. You can go to lots of Weatherspoons and they're beautiful spaces. After six pints of ale, everywhere's a gorgeous place. Well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. Um, and they, do, they do have original architectural features and that sort of thing. They you're do. Going, what used to be an old cinema and they'll have preserved the organ or whatever. Right, or you can tell that you're sitting in the place that used to be the stalls in the theatre or whatever it is. Yeah. But I think the other really important part of his success was his deep and keen interest in prices, that he always wanted to make sure that his was the cheapest beer in town. Uh, you know what wasn't the cheapest in town, though? Weatherspoon's carpets. Each one is unique, <laughs> yeah. and they are such a core part of the Weatherspoon's identity that somebody actually released a book about them. They're made by Axminster Carpets, a famous carpet company, but because Weatherspoons need each one to be individual, they have to be partially handmade on old-fashioned looms, and they cost, like, thousands of pounds. Wowza. Yeah, I mean, you say it's well-known, and it is well-known now, but it's well-known partly because of that book, which came out of a blog, which came out of ordinary punters noticing that the carpets were different across the hundreds of different branches. Because another thing that Weatherspoons have done in the last few years is come off social media. I mean, how odd a decision is that? They do the cheapest breakfast, they do the cheapest beer and yet they're not on social media to, to hark on about that. They've left it up to their audience to tell people about it. And, I mean, the carpet is a really weird example of that. <laughs> but there was no press release about how every carpet and every Weatherspoons was different until customers started noticing. Because the promotion of Weatherspoons on social media is something that just happens organically from everyone yeah. having that shared experience. And it's inspired this kind of sometimes ironic, sometimes not cult around it mm. which is manifested in very odd ways you know when you just sort of you know, the, it just gets weirder and weirder over time and I feel, feel like it's reaching a peak weirdness now <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this but in the news recently was the Facebook group Weatherspoon's Poultry Chip Count which started off with people who were displeased that they felt like they were getting an unfairly small portion of chips as their side on a Weatherspoon's meal right <laughs> I mean you're and paying so, £5.50 for a curry and a beer can you complain <laughs> about the chips but anyway I know. Carry on. but obviously this is now got stranger and stranger so you've got some people who've been bringing tape measures to analyze their portion and then sharing their analysis to the point where an employee of Weatherspoons actually weighed in on twitter to bring a bit of clarification saying they're counting the chips not knowing that Weatherspoon measures chips by weight 180 grams and yes you get spot tested on your chip weight i mean maybe part of its lack of social media presence is to do with the way that he positions himself as a really old school publican and they do actually have their own magazine which is called Weatherspoon News which is really Tim Martin's place to just voice whatever is on his mind which is often pro brexit anti european and from what i have seen of his pandemic material, not necessarily the most pro-science. <laughs> you cast aspersions on Weatherspoon's news. However, in 1991, when they first started publishing it, it was still just a London-based chain. It would be another two years before it opened its first premises outside of London, and it had its own newspaper. Which really does speak to his ambition, and that is mm. something that is impressive about him as an entrepreneur, because... If you look at endless decisions that he made, they all speak to an incredible ambition, whether it was installing a kind of American corporate culture into the British pub business. He idolises the Walmart founder, Sam Walton, makes all of his managers read Walton's book, Made in America, and even tests them on the contents of that book as a business practitioner. Or whether it's, for example, years before the public smoking ban coming in, making the weird decision as a mm. publican to say all our new pubs are going to be non-smoking. Yeah. That saw a turnover drop of 7% in those pubs 
But from learning from the experiences of what customers who didn't want to smoke whilst they drink wanted, they made sure that by the time the smoking ban came in in 2007, all their pubs did better out of that than every other pub in the country because they had the offer right. I mean, I wonder whether that ties into his quasi-obsession with cleanliness. Apparently, he insists on places being clean, and if they aren't sufficiently up to scratch in that respect, and also if they're not making money in the way that he wants them to, he's quite ruthless about shutting venues as well. And I think that also ties into that interest in in the sort of American grow or die. You know, he said that he wants 1,500 pubs across the country, and he's not far off these days. Yeah, and Weatherspoons is often criticised for bringing uniformity to the pub experience. And I think from the position of, you know, 2021, when everyone's really obsessed with authenticity and anti-big chains taking over and making everything, you know, one uniform experience, that is an understandable point of view. But if you look at it in the time, you know, in the 80s, when the chain was first growing, you had the explosion of wine bars and people were looking for a more professional, a more, you know, chic experience. It feels really ridiculous to say chic in the context of Weatherspoons but when you're thinking about like a dingy old school boozers there was this huge market of people young professionals women families who might not have felt really at home in those when you know you were sort of at the whim of the landlords and when you went to Weatherspoons you could go in knowing that you were going to get the same experience which actually at the time was a big advantage to a lot of people who were looking for something that brought this new level of consistency you know there's no music there's no tv sports there's no gambling machines you know what to expect so you can always go and and feel comfortable what we're not saying by talking about the sophistication of the weatherspoons layout is that they're not a magnet for alcoholics mm. <laughs> you know, the, the cheap beer plus the opening hours and the breakfasts means there are usually old men it's usually quite sad and depressing when you walk past the window and you see them there at 11 o'clock drinking in the mornings in town centers up and down the country i don't know if that's a net good or a net bad for a lot of town centers in a way because Yes, it's bringing alcoholics into the centre of town, but actually it's also meaning that the council doesn't have to lay on a day centre for them, frankly. I mean, that is the vibe often when you walk past. But what's intriguing about that is I genuinely feel like it's a kind of community place where those people feel comfortable, you know, these drunk old men with their dogs at 11 o'clock in the morning, but actually so might a hen party or a group of young professionals or someone going in for a business meeting. That's an extraordinary thing to pull off. It's sort of more open access in a weird way than even something like McDonald's. Did you guys know that another aspect of uniformity is the dress code, where the Spoons actually does have a dress code, which its website states thus, customers are requested to remain fully clothed throughout their visit, including wearing <laughs> shoes. <laughs> customers are requested to remain upright if possible, <laughs> and only to ruin the carpet in the lurid patterned area. The requested bit, at the very least, suggests that it's not a hard and fast rule. <laughs> Tomorrow. The disguises were moustaches, like a funny Groucho one. <laughs> like, eat some of you. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.